prayer that God would be in our midst as we worship and that he would revive our hearts.
to the left to our Next Steps desk and talk to us because we want to lead you down that road. For those of you that may be interested in a next step, either in getting involved in a D group or a life group, uh, we've got information out there at the Next Steps desk. And for those interested in uh, missions, this is an exciting day today because we get to celebrate missions and eat. So hang out with us afterwards. We'll uh, have a missions lunch. Look forward to fellowshipping with you there. We want to turn to the Lord in prayer and, and pray for a few things going on in our church and community. So if you would, bow with me. Lord, we are grateful for you, for you, for your goodness, for your omniscience, that you know the beginning from the end, that nothing that happens surprises you. Lord, we want to lift up today Mosaic Multicultural Church and the ministry that they're doing around the world, Lord, that you would empower them, that you would equip them, that you would protect them, that you would bring about gospel conversation after gospel conversation, that people would glorify you, that they would worship you. And God, as we pray on worship, I pray for this church's principle of engaging worship, Lord, that, that we would celebrate your, your goodness and the mercy and grace you've given us, that we would have worship changes people's lives, that encourages one another, that we may speak to each other in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Lord, we thank you for the positive things that are happening in, in the world today and signs of, of life in the economy that, that we may hit a soft landing as they say, Lord, we, uh, we pray for the many that are still frustrated in their budgets and and feeling the impacts of inflation, Lord, that you would bring about provision for them. Lord, we pray for this church and, and uh, the, the different work that has gone on to straighten up our, our books and, the, and the, the work that many volunteers have pitched in to help organize some of the back office activities. Lord, we pray that your grace would be upon us as we meet and discuss this afternoon, that we would do your will. Lord, we ask your forgiveness for chasing things that are unimportant, for desiring things that do not glorify you. Lord, we ask that, that you would position yourself so clearly in front of us that we could only worship you and follow you in our lives. And Lord, we're grateful for the, the many provisions you've made for us. Thank you for this church and for the many that are in attendance today. Pray that you would Open our eyes, our minds, our hearts to receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's read now from Hebrews 7, Hebrews 7, 11 through 28. Now perfection came through the Levitical priesthood, for on the basis of it people received the law. What further need was there for another priest to appear, said to be according to the order of Melchizedek, and not according to the order of Aaron? When there is a change of priesthood, there must be a change of law as well. For the one these things are spoken about belong to a different tribe. No one from it has served at the altar. Now it is evident that our Lord came from Judah, and Moses said nothing about that tribe concerning priests. And if this becomes clear, if another priest like Melchizedek appears, who did not become a priest based on legal regulation about physical descent, but based on the power 
indestructible life, for it has been testified, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. So the previous command is annulled because it was weak and unprofitable, but the law perfected nothing. But a better hope is introduced, through which we draw near to God. None of this happened without an oath, for others became priests without an oath. But he became a priest with an oath made by the one who said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. Because of this oath, Jesus has also become the guarantee of a better covenant. Now many have become Levitical priests, since they are prevented by death from remaining in office. But because he remains forever, he holds his priestly priesthood permanently. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, since he always lives to intercede for them. For this is the kind of high priest who we need, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He does not need to offer sacrifices every day, as high priests do, for their own sins and then for those of the people. He did this once for all time when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests men who are weak, but the promise of the oath which came after the law appoints a son who has been perfected forever. Amen. And because we have a great high priest in Christ, we can know true grace like nothing we've ever seen. Would you stand and let's sing together of the wonderful grace that we see in Jesus. Take me away, my girl. 
I'm Pastor Sean, turning your copy of God's Word or into your devices to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18. For those of you who are visiting this morning, uh, we are walking through the book of Genesis slowly, and uh, we have come to this text where God zooms in, or as we do in our modern devices, pinches in to see deeper detail of why God created man and woman husband and wife, and we're going to look at that actually over this week and next week as we look at this. We have been looking at God's design, looking at him first to make sense of the world and of ourselves, and then looking how God's created the earth and everything in it. And we've come now to how God has created man and woman. Today we're going to look at why manhood and womanhood are important to our lives 
and to our world. So uh, let me read the scriptures for you. And you can follow along. If you're using the Pew Bible, sorry, uh, you can look at page two. We have not graduated from page two yet. You're still there. You can tune in there. Page two, beginning of verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper corresponding to him. The Lord God formed out of the ground every wild animal and every bird of the sky and brought each to the man to see what he would call it. Whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. Its name. The man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds of the sky, to every wild animal. But for the man, no helper was found corresponding to him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over the man, and he slept. God took one of his ribs and closed the flesh at that place. Then the Lord God made the rib he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, this one at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman for she was taken from man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife and they become one flesh. Both the man and his wife were naked yet felt no shame. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to your word today, I have no reason why that in your sovereign plan that you had ordered and directed us as elders and for us to be in this text today for this reason. But Lord, everyone here is of your plan to be here and to be changed by it. So Lord, help us to be unlike our first parents, Adam and Eve, and resist the temptation to look for truth somewhere else, instead to only look for truth in your very word. Where else can we go? Nowhere, but to your word for eternal life. So Lord, I pray this morning as we read, as we, as we think, and through the Holy Spirit today, Lord, would you change us so that we are different, we are more obedient, and we are more like your son, Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. There is a mysterious and delightful difference between men and women, which God intends for us to recognize and enjoy. But what's interesting is when we look at gender, manhood, and womanhood, we always look at the difference, right? You've maybe heard the literary term oxymoron. Uh, those are two words that are different yet come together to mean something else. For example, organized mess. Maybe you feel that way at home. But think of those two words, organized and mess. Don't go together, but they define something different. Crash landing. Uh, hopefully you don't do that, uh, but we know that that means a crash or a safe landing. Don't go together, but there's a, obviously a bad result there. Awfully good, or my favorite, awfully tasty or terribly nice 
Or maybe jumbo shrimp. Maybe you like thinking about lunch today. We don't have jumbo shrimp for the <laughs> missions meal today, just to be concerned about that, but it's going to be great. Well, today we think of the two differences of man and woman, and we think of the differences that God intended them both to be together for good. And it's in Genesis that God created man and woman as a perfect in our design, perfect differences that work together for our lives and for his glory. Unfortunately, today, as, we, as I begin to think and approach this text and think about this topic, it's more difficult than we realize, right? In our culture today, it's unfortunate because we think of what the world or the culture is defining with gender. There's a very popular YouTube video that opens up, and there's several of them now, with a young person that's either a feminized man or a masculine woman. The voice is hard to place. Is it a man or a woman speaking, or is it the reverse? And the, the speaker asks the question, are you a boy or a girl? And to which the responder, the person on the video says, no, I'm non-binary. Binary. Gender is in the brain. Physical sex is a complete separate and different thing. Gender is what you feel, not what your parts are. It doesn't matter what meat skeleton you've been born in. It's what you feel that defines you. This is the place that we are now. So what does it mean to be a man or to be a woman? Well, unfortunately, this has become what we thought was a simple question has become complex. We thought that we answered this in our high school biology class. But now these are loaded questions where many people today dispute our physical sex defining whether we are gender identity. It's what you sense, not who you are. And consequently, unfortunately, the, the, the name on the door of the bathroom, boy or girl, has become the symbol of one of our era's greatest controversies. But the problem in which the world that we live in is that we've failed to read the directions. Here in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we have the directions, the foundations, the understanding that we can see rightly in our world. Have you maybe failed to read the directions in something that you were doing? Maybe you got a pattern for a dress and, and you have thought with your experience, with your know-how, with the family you've been raised in, sitting and watching your mother or your grandmother, that this can easily come together, that you can just go right at it, put the, put the pattern together, and boom, a dress will appear. And yet, maybe at the end or somewhere in the middle, you realized you probably should have read the directions. Or maybe you were building something that came that some piece of furniture that maybe came from Ikea or some other store and the furniture takes up half your bedroom but it shows up in a box that my toddler could, uh, could, could carry. That's when you know that, that 
you think, oh boy, there's a lot of pieces in here. There's probably 10 or 20,000 pieces etched together in this box. But your know-how, your experience, all the things, you're just going to go right at it and you're going to conquer this furniture. You don't have to look at anything. You're just going to put it together. And you're probably not even 15 minutes or 30 minutes in and you wish you had read the directions. Well, friends, I believe the problems that we are experiencing in our culture is because we fail to read the directions about God's blueprint for our lives, and especially when it comes to gender. When we have failed by ourselves to think through gender clearly, even in Christian homes, we have caused mountains of problems. It has caused us to misread our identities, to destroy relationships, weaken the family, and ultimately, some cases, destroy the church. Look at the mainline denominations right now. Look at the directions, brothers and sisters. When we look, we see that there's a pattern that we are supposed to embrace that God has designed for us that is both male and female manhood and womanhood and all that is 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 designed by God for our good so today as we look at scripture we want to see the foundational truths that God has shown for us and that in this passage there are three truths in which God created gender that was good so if you're taking notes in your bulletin or in your phones number one God created manhood and womanhood and it was good. Now we open up in verse 18 where it says, The Lord God said, there is, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper corresponding to him. We cannot defer or ignore that God designed gender as part of his sovereign plan for humanity. If we rewind to our, our chapter in Genesis 1.27, when we read a couple of weeks ago, Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. Our Bible doesn't start with the differences of man and woman. Notice it starts with our equality that we are designed with, with beauty and image and respect and honor designed by God. That we are both honorable or that we are worthy as both man and woman, as God has designed us to be, that we are equal in the sight of God as his special creation. Yet, two distinct Genders. This reality is that the foundational truth of humankind that all men and women were created in the image of God. And for the next several thousands of years, it was the understanding of the Israelites, the Jewish people, and the church for the last, for the last 2,000 years. As a matter of fact, Jesus himself understood things this way. Matthew 9, 4. Haven't you read, he replied, that he who created them in the beginning made them male and female. See, this foundational truth is directed for us to understand that for our existence and flourishing, 
is that it is God's perfect design as male and female. Now, what we read here in Genesis chapter 2 is interesting because in verse 18, God states here that there was something not good and he had to intervene and create something that was good. In other words, not that he made a mistake, but instead it wasn't full until he was done creating. How did he make it right? It wasn't just man on his own, but male and female together, which created the very good. What was not good? It was that man was alone. What was very good was that man had a wife and Eve. These are not gender, therefore, is not a product of evolutionary accident with no moral implications, but are gifts from God to be used for his purposes in glory. And since God made male and female, this is the starting point in which we define gender. And we must celebrate the unique nature in which God has made for us. Whether we're hunting or working in the office, teaching kids or playing sports, or feeling a baby kick in our womb, it is glorifying joy in how God has created us. For us to take this understanding of how God has created the world, we must understand that God has uniquely designed each of us, male and female, in his perfect condition, in his perfect design, his sovereign plan for you. You know that the DNA is arranged at coil and coil and it contains about 3 billion base pairs in each cell to fit in the space of 6 microns across. That if you were to stretch the DNA of one cell out, that it would be about 2 meters long. And that if you would connect every DNA strand of the entire body, it would loop around the solar system twice. And if we think of how all of this, God has designed each one of those pairings, each way for our unique design. Friends, this is not happenstance. This is a design of a mighty God. The human DNA contains more information than uh, Encyclopedia Britannica set, which contains 44 million words. God has made us wonderfully and fearfully made. And some of us, he gave a Y chromosome and some of us, he did not. But in each design of us in this room, God has designed us specially. And this is something to be praiseworthy. And when we think of this, we need to be brought to worship that God created manhood and womanhood and it was good. You know, our temptation today, whether we're man or whether we're woman, is to doubt, excuse me, to doubt how God designed us. Many of us struggle internally about ourselves that something is lacking. Maybe it's our height, maybe it's the way that we look, maybe we wish we had this skill, or maybe we were this way. All of us at our core doubt who we are and wish we could do something else or be someone else or we're always comparing ourselves to someone else. Well, brother and sister, 
The reason that we struggle in this way is because we are comparing ourselves, are looking for our identity from other created things and not how God has made us. And the reason many people struggle with gender identity is because they think that gender is the ultimate be-all, end-all. But friends, it's not. It's what God wants us to be that we should look at. And if we're struggling in this way, whether we're struggling with how our, what gender we are or how we look or what traits we have, friends, repent because you are rejecting God's blueprint on your very life. Instead, worship the creator who made you the way that you are, your idiosyncrasies, the things that makes you different. God has made you unique and it is praiseworthy should bring mountains of joy because you are made by his very own hand. Friends, look at our true identity in God because when you lose sight of God, you lose sight of your identity. God made us man and woman and we can praise him for this glorious creation. Number two, God designed the differences of men and women and it was good. And think of how today in our, in our world, turn on the sitcom, and, and every sitcom at its core is the difference between man and woman, or those relationships, or how those grade, and it's always in a, a humorous situation. Many times now, because of this, we are constantly in fighting for what our differences should be like and what role we should be playing. But man and woman are equal in worth and value, yet God designed to help, uh, God designed them sovereignly to be different, and this difference is good. The exercise that we fall into as we keep reading here in Genesis is that God gave Adam for his subduing the earth the ability or the role to name the animals. And in this role, he was bringing the animals to him as he created them and Adam was naming them. But what God was doing was far deeper than naming the animals. It was to show Adam that there was not a helper available for him. It was preparing his heart, looking to see what God was going to do, looking for what was going to be the right fit, looking ahead to see what God was going to do. And he did so when he created Eve. He looked at everything and he, Adam looked and he said, he said, well, he said, uh, you're a faithful companion, dog. Okay, I like you, but you know, I don't need you. We don't fit compatibly. We're not. This is not what I want. You're a great. I don't. I can't play fetch all day. We're gonna have to move on. Giraffe. Okay. You'll help me see a far way, but you're you're not gonna fulfill everything that I want and help me. You're good. And then God created Eve. And then you know we know it was accidental because he looked at Eve and he just said, "Whoa, man." He was excited because he saw exactly what he had always been looking for. The partner that God wanted him to have. 
As a matter of fact, just so you know, a little bit of, you know, a little uh, Hebrew, just so that you know how they got the name, you know, woman. You know, the, in the original Hebrew, it's <laughs> But from the very beginning, God created us differently. And it was good. There was not this, well, well uh, things are, are wrong, or you, you like this temperature, and I like that temperature. You do this well, and I do that well. It was a celebration of our differences being God's unique plan for us. And in this, we see that God created us differently. He, he created Adam and Eve differently. There's difference from the very beginning. God, he created Adam from the clay or from the, the dirt. Yet Eve had a special creation above everything else. He, he, she was created from Adam's rib. She was not created from the dust of the ground, but Adam himself. The, the ancient theologian and commentator Matthew Henry has quoted many times that she was made not out of his head to rule over him, not out of his feet to be trampled upon by him, but out of his side to be equal with him, under his arm to be protected, and near his heart to be beloved. There she stands, the first woman, pure, lovely, dear to God. Not only was she created differently, but the roles were differently. Eve was designed to be Adam's helper. It was love at first, first sight, but the person was to, designed to be a helper, a helpmate to, to Adam. Now, here at Hebrew Baptist Church, we believe the scriptures teach a complementarian view of scripture, which means each gender complements and is different by God's design to bring out the full beauty of man and woman, of the family, and the church. And as we think through this, we understand that these different roles are nothing to be fought over, but to enjoy and find the design that God has given for us. That these different roles are not to be argued over, but instead for us to celebrate and lean into. And men and women are different by design, and in so they are also different characteristics. Do you know even in our structure that we are different? That you can exhume a, 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 even the skeleton of a couple hundred years and de decide whether that's a man or a woman? This was not some trait to just be chosen out of a hat, but instead we are designed differently. I studied kinesiology in college and I had to map out a tennis serve and map out every joint, every movement, every muscle, every tendon, every ligament. But when you study the body, you learn something that that the hips are made differently the angles are made differently the fulcrum lever of an arm of a man is different that can throw a fastball faster than a woman just because of design not because one's less than the other but because of structure the reality is, is that all of us are different. And what makes that different? Well, some would say sugar and spice and everything nice for women. And boys are frogs and snails and puppy dog tails. But these differences are designed in God's actual very own character. Our differences were not random to God, but to communicate to a world more about him. 
Because what makes men uniquely man and, and women uniquely woman is a reflection of the triune God himself. God has implanted each sex, each gender differently to provide and present something to the world even more beautifully. That God created man to lead, to protect, provide, and care for, to present something about himself. In Deuteronomy 1, 30-31, The Lord your God who goes before you will fight for you just as you saw him do in Egypt and you saw in the wilderness how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son along the way you traveled until you reached this place. God said in manhood we see a glimpse of me. But in the same way, he made woman. And this is not secondary. This is not the leftovers. He created a characteristic of himself to be adored and celebrated and enjoyed as God displayed his loving and nurturing and caring ability through woman. Isaiah 49, 15. Can a woman forget her nursing child or lack compassion for the child in her womb? Even if these forget, yet I will not forget you. God is saying that our gender communicates the good characteristics of himself. But ultimately, together, in our differences, he communicates the gospel. Ultimately, it is us together that displays the most wonderful message of God. That, that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, the, the bridegroom, that he would give up himself for his bride, those, the believers, the church, that those who believe in him, he died on the cross for them, that in this difference, we see Jesus and his believers that we can celebrate and know our God more perfectly. John Piper observed that the ultimate meaning of true womanhood is this, is this distinct calling of God to display the glory of his son in ways that would not have been displayed if there was no womanhood. If there were only generic persons and not male and female, the glory of Christ would be diminished in the world. When God described the glorious work of his son as a sacrifice of a husband for his bride, he was telling us why. He made us male and female. He made us in this way so that our maleness and femaleness would display more fully the glory of his son in relation to his blood-bought bride. Brothers and sisters, we display the glory of God and his son together. And our culture has tried to erase these differences. First, women should strive to be over men. Men should be less like men because they are toxic. Girls can be boys and now boys can be girls. We've moved marriage and motherhood from the top of our list for women to the bottom of our list or to be crossed off altogether. 
We've decided that men should be more like women, that we decided that men should be metrosexualized, feminized, emotionalized, real in their competitiveness, get manicures, pamper their faces, stay at home, learn to clean the toilet, turn off the sports programs, be nice and sweet and agreeable. And can we agree that without consulting God in any of this, the reality is we've got to be careful in our lives and in our culture to not erase our differences because God created them as good. Let's remember where we are in redemptive history again. We're in Genesis 2, not Genesis 3 where it all falls to pieces and then we have to mix it up. Everyone that is outside of God's will or outside of God's, that looks for answers outside of God's word will say, well, that's just, that's just because everything fell apart because of sin. No, God created us differently from the beginning and it's to be celebrated. Next week, as Pastor Derek will talk about marriage and what this means, as these differences come together, when we two sinners come together in a covenant marriage and how these make a difference for us and how they bring out the beauty of our lives and our families and our church. But now we must be making sure that we don't erase the differences that we have. We need to look at the differences that, that you may possess as a woman and say, well, this is not something that I need to erase or put aside. God made me this way. In the same way that the temptation of the culture is trying to tell you to change your man or to change men to fit what you want it to be, you need to say, no, what am I supposed to do to appreciate how God has made man? Likewise, in the same way, as man has, needs to understand how God has created us uniquely and what it looks like. And in the same way, instead of trying to overbear or overcome, that instead we protect the goodness of woman and how God created it. So our reason, our relationships, our societies, and our churches are in major turmoils because we mix up the way God has designed us to be to relate to each other. So friends, instead of us trying to, to erase the differences, let's celebrate how God has created us, both man and woman. And finally, God made man and woman to live for his glory. The first claim of the Bible then is setting up the stage of marriage is that man and woman are not our own cultural constructs, but instead created for the glory of of God. As we read earlier in Genesis chapter 1 that he created us man and female in his image and then he keeps going in verse 22 then the Lord God took the rib, the rib he had taken from man and woman and brought her to man and the man said this is one at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh the one that will be called woman for she was, ta he was, she was taken from man this is why a man leaves her father and mother and bonds with his wife and they become one flesh both the man and his wife were naked yet they felt no shame. The reality for us is manhood and womanhood is created that we would find context, not just our purposes alone, but we have been created in the context of the cosmos that the sovereign God has created a purpose in his very creation for us to fulfill together as man and woman. 
God gave to man and woman the role to fulfill and subdue the earth and do so, they do it together better. Obviously, to fill the earth, the fruitful and multiply part of the, the, of the, the call or the purpose was best together. They were created anatomically for this to happen. To fill the earth. This is the same. Re- this was reiterated later to Noah's family after the flood. Be fruitful and multiply, or go fill the earth. In this, it is fundamentally, fundamentally to create a family that worships God, that multiplies the gospel, that reflects the Creator back to Himself. That was the original design that we, who were made in the image of God, would would multiply other image bearers who follow and obey God. And in doing so, we want to understand that this is the beginning of us working together. That in both procreation and family discipleship, we find ourselves working together to fulfill the purpose that God has given for us. Now I say that and I want to make sure that I say to those who are single in the room, do not read this and twist it as maybe Satan would to say that you are not fulfilling his purpose or you're in sin or, or maybe because you can't have children that for some reason that there's something wrong. Don't read that way. As a matter of fact, God's word helps to cover us in this. Later on, Paul says that there's some goodness in singleness. There's some things that, that he did because he was single. That, that it, it, you rely on God for that true fulfillment. And he will never disappoint you. In 1 Corinthians 7, 8-9, Paul says, I am unmarried, uh, sorry, I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them if they remain as I am. But if they do not have self-control, they should marry since it's better to marry than to burn with desire that is Paul is saying that if God has gifted you in this way that praise God you can stay single but if there's a desire for you to connect and to be with a a person of the opposite sex then do that so that you don't fall into some uh, into temptation in this we understand that it is then God's created order for us to work together to fulfill and multiply. But secondly, we are to subdue the earth by sharing the gospel. God has us work together in the context that God has created us so that we might replicate the gospel. Now, post the fallen world, we need to point everybody to Jesus. And we're, we've talked the last few weeks that I won't reiterate that every one of us have created in a different place where we work, where we live to fulfill the mandate of subduing the world by glorifying God in it. But now we also must take that next step in discipling and sharing the gospel with those around us. And God gave this together. That together in relationships, man and woman, women and men in the church in relationship, men and women in the home together, in these ways that everyone can be discipled because God has given this gift to us all. For man, he's given us this this role to point everyone to the sacrifice of Jesus. 
Ephesians 5, 25 through 29. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up to make her holy, cleansing her, washing her with the, by water with the word. He did this to protect the church, to present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it, just as Christ does for the church. What does this tell us? Well, God has given us as men to provide care and disciple our wives and our families and the church. That by our sacrificial love and giving of ourselves, we are pointing others to the sacrificial love and of Jesus. But in this way, we are showing who Christ is by as our giving up of our lives for the sake of others. You know, when Pastor Mark and um, Pastor Travis and I, we went to Capitol Hill Baptist Church way back, the way back machine, I think 2017 or uh, 2018 seems way back to me because anything pre-COVID seems like a different century. And so we went there and, and their Sunday evening service, they always have a testimony. And I sat there with my mouth open because it was a testimony I had never heard before. There was a young woman who had come to D.C. and worked in, in the D.C. units up there. And she had come and she shared that most of her life she hated men. She didn't want to be around them. She didn't trust them. And yet, because a friend invited her to church, she and her idea of what men do were flipped upside down. She saw elders who loved their wives and took care of their families as a display of God's love for the church. That the men in the church sacrificed and cared for each other. That she felt safe and that she felt a part of something because of the sacrificial love that was going on in the church. And she said, through the word and the example of the men in that church, she was blown away by the sacrificing love of Jesus. And she came to Christ. So brother... You need to think of how you are sacrificially loving people around you because God wired you to point people to Jesus. Women, you are also given an important role to be a part of God's kingdom and plan. That you are to be a part of propagating the gospel to the world. That you are to, to do so as you impact other women. In Titus 2, it says, in the same way older women are to be reverential in behavior, not slanderers, not slaves to excess drinking. They are to teach what is good so that they may encourage the young woman to love their husbands, to love their children, to be self-controlled, pure, workers at home, kind, and in submission to their husbands so that God's word will not be slandered. See, God designed women for an, a, an amazingly unique and special role to reach and teach and disciple women. 
This is not a task that God saw as delegating something that was less important. Instead, he handed the baton to you women to do something special. Reach other women for Jesus. And we need to understand that all of us have been created to spill and subdue the earth for God's purposes. And we can do this uniquely as gendered believers. The Madonna del Cardellino was painted by Raphael in 1505 as a wedding present for a friend. It was beautiful. It, it portrays Mary with a, a toddler Jesus and his cousin John the Baptist in a way that actually foretells the coming suffering of both of them. Unfortunately, not too many years later, the, the painting was damaged because of an earthquake. And in so, the earthquake in the house that it was kept shattered in 17 different places. This painting, over time, was someone who tried to fix it, but over time, it decayed worse and worse. And back in 2007, 2008, they decided to try to restore this beautiful artwork. But do you know what this process meant? It was 50 people over 10 years to try to fix it. To scrape off slowly, layer after layer, years of grime, of breaking, of painting, and the end result was a stunning work of art. The cracks were gone. The brown film had been stripped away. Everything glowed as it was an original work of art. And given how badly damaged it was, the most important thing was not the change, yes, the beautiful work in art itself, but now a new thing, the restoration process. Friends, there is a strikingly parallel, profound way as we think of this. We are masterpieces. And we all need the restoration of Jesus Christ. Tragically, the beautiful design of who God has created has been marred by sin. Layers of grime and dirt have been collected. Maybe many of you have experienced or even sensed that in your life. You thought yourself to be a paint that was damaged, that had been patched together and your cracks were showing. Maybe you've been experienced earthquakes that have shattered you. But friends, the good news is this. Jesus can and wants to restore you. Jesus has the power to make things new. So are you ready to say yes to him? Are you ready for him to say, I, you are mine and I can restore you to beauty by trusting in the work of my son, Jesus Christ? Maybe this has dredged up some painful stuff for you. Manhood and womanhood has not been a good experience for you. It's been painful, but God wants to say to you, Yes, I love you. And I've designed life good for you. And it can be restored 
through my son, Jesus Christ. Friends, we all need to turn to restoration to Jesus. In our lives, the way that we see ourselves and man and woman, the way that we treat one another in relationships, in all of these ways, but all of us at our fundamental foundation is this. We all need Jesus. And in this, we've all been stained by sin. So my prayer to you is that we see that God's designed us in a special way, but we can all be restored by Jesus. In what way do you need to be restored? Maybe today is the day you reach out to Christ in faith and are restored by the Spirit of God or made new, and today is your new birthday in Him. Or maybe today it is following Jesus in a way that you look to His Word and you begin to fight back against the culture and even your sinful feelings and how you express yourself in gender reality. Maybe you need to understand, I pray that Jesus and God cares for you and there's restoration available through Him. Let us pray. Father, thank You so much for Your Son, Jesus Christ, for Your great design for us and in the world. Thank you, God, for how you've created us, man and woman, but ultimately for our need for you. Father, thank you that we can, that we can come to you where we have failed you and especially for our problem with sin, that it is in Christ that we can be made new. So, Lord, we celebrate and honor you and help us to be restored by you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand your feet? Let's make this our prayer that um, as God made us and our relationships with each other, male and female, to reflect the gospel of the world, that let's pray that, that Christ would indeed be the center of all that we do.
fill out a connect card. Uh, you can do so by one of the QR codes that's there in the pew in front of you. You can do so electronically if this is your first time with us. Make sure you go to our Next Steps desk because we have a gift waiting there for you. So we hope that you will uh, take that next step and uh, connect card with us and go to the Next Step desk to, to connect to them. Uh, also, uh, there you can learn more about how you can go to a, a life group or a D group. And so we hope that you will find your next step in Christ and you will seek help doing so here at Hebron Baptist Church. Today is our missions luncheon right after church. Uh, we hope that you will stay for the spaghetti dinner and our fundraiser. We hope that you will come and fellowship. There will be plenty, so please stay. Even if you hadn't planned to, please come 
and fellowship with us. Now, one of the things that we do want to remind you, and you'll learn more about it, the missions luncheon. We have several teams going. Uh, one of the things that Pastor Mark wants us to know about is that we've already got our London trip, our Argentina trip, but we also have a Salt Lake City trip that's coming in June. If you have want more information or to be a part of that, make sure you see him after church today, and you can find out how that you can sign up to be a part of that. Uh, also, today is the deadline for our D Now weekend for those for grades 6 through 12. So if you know about that or want to be a part of that, you need to get that information and sign up today. So also, based on our topic today, we want to make sure that you come and are part of our March 3rd Bible Conference. Uh, we had kind of planned this knowing this is where the Bible would be taking us and being a part of what God's Word has to say for us. On March 3rd, at, um, we're going to be having our guiding our kids and grandkids an up, down, down, upside down world of gender and sexuality. We're going to be doing that from 4 to 6. We hope that you will come and be part of that Bible conference and invite someone to the community that they can become equipped and think through this as we think of this as we teach the next generation. Another thing that's coming up is our starting point new members class. We hope that you would come be a part of that. If you've been thinking about Hebron Baptist Church, how you might know more about Hebron Baptist Church, uh, this class is for you. It, it's three Sundays in a row starting February 25th. Uh, this is also a requirement for church membership. At least two of the three classes need to be attended. But please go to the Next Steps desk for material. There's some stuff you need to do ahead of time, some forms to fill out. Go today, sign up, and there will be child care available if you sign up and let us know. And finally, New Hope Center baby bottle campaign. Uh, we've been giving those out. You've been taking them, filling them up with change, giving support for New Hope Center Pregnancy Center. Next Sunday is the deadline for those bottles to come back. So that's your reminder. Please make sure they come back next week. Also, if you've not grabbed one, you can do so and fill it this week and bring it back next Sunday. Also, out on the Next Steps desk is information for their father-daughter dance. Uh, I know Pastor Mark and Sarah Beth go to that every year, uh, and they love it. And uh, there's two different ages of that. So if you want to go be a part of that, uh, you can support New Hope Center, and there's information. So in other words, there's a younger version and an older version. So if you want information about that, that is on the desk outside. Well, today, is, uh, as we continue in worship, we also worship uh, through our tithes and offerings. We've lifted to the Lord our song, the word, and we also worship as we give in thanksgiving for what he's provided for us. You can participate by either scanning the QR code that's in front of you on the pew or here on the screen or as the plates are passed uh, here in just a minute. So let me pray for us as we give. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to worship you through giving, to give thanks to the one who has given us all things. Heavenly Father, through it, as we know, we send many mission trips uh, that we know we can support them through our faithful giving. So Lord, we pray, God, we love you and thank you. Give and bless the giving today. In Jesus' name, amen.
Senhor, fique sempre.